Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of On the Blood Trail. Uh, my name is Tyler. For those of you that don't know, I'm the one that hosts this podcast. Uh, for those of you that do know, thanks for joining again. Uh, this will be episode number six and I'm just really enjoying bringing these to you guys so far. It's been uh, fun for me to have a little bit of an outlet to talk about uh, some of the different hunting things. It's a passion of mine and I thoroughly enjoy it. One could even say I was addicted to it. Uh, I know my wife would for sure because uh, every waking minute it's either prepping for hunting, going hunting, getting ready for hunting, practicing situations for hunting, or looking to uh, add things to the hunting collection for hunting. So uh, just uh, once again excited to keep bringing these to you guys. Uh, we're almost into July here. Uh, bear season has been done here for the spring in Alberta since uh, June 15th, so we're pretty well at two weeks and uh, we had a really good season it was uh, a blast to go out there we got out a couple times and uh, the very first trip we went out on was a little bit too early uh, still some snow on the ground didn't see a whole lot for bears but we managed to get a good friend of ours his very first black bear and he was pretty pumped it was an awesome experience awesome hunt and uh, got it on video I uh, can't wait to get that edited up and uh, put on the YouTube channel for all of you guys to enjoy uh, and then at the tail end of season, I uh, got out with my brother Ryan. Uh, for those of you that uh, watched episode 4 of the podcast or listened to some of the other ones, you've heard me talk about Ryan or saw Ryan on episode 4. So Ryan and I got out for a few days there at the tail end of season. Uh, I managed to shoot my very first bear with a muzzleloader, which was pretty cool. I uh, got into the muzzleloading thing last year uh, for a deer hunt that we were all drawn on. And... Uh, Really, really enjoyed it. It was a cool experience, a very different method of hunting. I'd never uh, hunted with a muzzleloader before. Spent uh, a good few months prior to that hunt getting prepped and learning the muzzleloader and different techniques of shooting, sighting it in, uh, all of that. So it was pretty exciting to see it all come together and uh, managed to shoot a bear with it this spring. That was uh, uh, an immediate goal for me, so I'm pretty happy that that worked out. And then Ryan actually shot a very, very nice bear with his bow. Uh, we snuck up to within 30 yards of this boar. Uh, he was feeding around with a sow. Ryan pinwheeled this bear. He didn't go more than, I think it was like nine yards, piled up. And uh, just a super exciting hunt, super uh, awesome video footage. Uh, can't wait to get all of this edited up, uh, put out on the YouTube channel for you guys to enjoy. Uh, it's just cool to have a video. It's always nice to look back at your footage and say, yeah, you know what, I, I maybe didn't remember that specific detail or just to look back at it and be like, yeah, you know what, that was awesome. And that's so cool that I can go back and rewatch it as much as I want. Outside of the bear hunting, draw deadlines have passed in Alberta. Uh, I know I put in for quite a few different things. Uh, the only thing I'm really hopeful to get drawn on is a uh, non-trophy antelope. Uh, takes forever and a year to get drawn here uh, depending on where you're going also but I think I'm priority 10 uh, for the area that I applied I should be successful so that'll be exciting it'll be a couple days of hunting hopefully in October uh, outside of that just gonna get prepped up and ready to go hunting for uh, uh, some sheep here in August and then transition into elk hunting and maybe some mule deer hunting and uh, just keep pushing on through into deer season. It's going to be a good time. Uh, so for today's podcast, the topic I want to discuss is grizzly bear hunting. 
And I know that this is a hot topic between, uh, well, hunters among themselves, uh, hunters between uh, themselves and other non-hunters, uh, just a whole lot of uh, miscommunication and misunderstanding whether it comes to hunting as a practice or shooting predators or even just uh, uh, the population reports on grizzly bears because it seems that you go look in one place and they say that they're flourishing and then you go look at another place and they'll say that the same population is uh, really struggling. Uh, now being that I'm from Alberta here, uh, I'm going to use a lot of uh, Alberta-based statistics, stories. Uh, we're going to dive into uh, how come Alberta is no longer allowed grizzly bear hunting within the province. Um, and if you take a look at it on a broader spectrum, uh, in Canada, it's actually very, very difficult to get uh, a tag for a grizzly bear anywhere. Uh, the only provinces that really have ever had grizzly bears would be um, British Columbia, Alberta, and then the territories. Alberta hasn't allowed grizzly bear hunting for some time now. Uh, British Columbia just recently cancelled grizzly bear hunting. Uh, I know in the Yukon, it's uh, I think you're allowed one grizzly bear every three years. And then uh, in the Northwest Territories, it's pretty much one grizzly bear per lifetime. So it makes it very, very difficult to go and do any of that. Um, as far as the United States, I know you can go hunt them in Alaska. Um, Outside of Alaska, I'm not really sure where you can go hunting for grizzly bears because I haven't spent a whole lot of time uh, hunting in the United States. But uh, one thing's for sure is if you're dreaming of going on a grizzly bear hunt, now is the time to go and cash in on that and do it because it's becoming increasingly more difficult to uh, do that hunt. And if uh, wildlife biologists and anti-hunter groups like PETA ever have their way, then there will be no more grizzly bear hunting. And unfortunately, that's just the way that it is. So to give some background into uh, Alberta and how they ended up canceling the grizzly bear hunt, uh, in 2002, it was recommended to uh, the province of Alberta that uh, the grizzly bears be uh, designated as uh, endangered. So they did a little bit of looking into this, and uh, in 2003 and 2004, the tags that they were giving out were dramatically reduced. Now keep in mind these tags weren't just over-the-counter go buy a tag go hunting it was uh, a pretty lengthy draw process and like any draw I'm sure it was uh, a higher amount of priority required to get drawn in certain areas. Uh, I know there's a lot of people that uh, they were at priority 15 or priority 20 and still waiting to get this draw so I mean you think about it you've been putting in for this tag since 1980 something and then all of a sudden they cancelled it and at the time it seemed like it was a good idea so after the tag reductions in 2003 and 2004 uh, they eventually closed grizzly bear hunting in 2006 uh, their reason was that um, the population was not sustainable for a hunt and they were blaming this uh, solely on human accessibility and road pressure in the areas that the grizzly bears were living so just by having vehicles driving through their territory or uh, people hunting for different animals in that area or trying to hunt for the grizzly bears, it was just pushing the grizzly bear population to a point where uh, the numbers were uh, no longer sustainable. Uh, now, how many grizzly bears, you might ask? Well, in 2010, uh, four years after they closed it, it was determined that there was only 700 grizzly bears within the entire province of Alberta. 
so 700 bears in the whole province, which, I mean, it, it could be pretty believable, uh, considering that majority of the grizzly bears range is kind of along the Rocky Mountains and uh, the foothill regions. And I know from some of the areas that we hunt, they are further inland. Uh, but once again, like I started hunting in 2007. So a year after it had already been closed. And we see grizzly bears every year. We're not hunting for them. You can't hunt for them. But just by complete accident, we run into grizzly bears on a regular basis. And sometimes it's just a quick glance of a sighting, and other times it's a lot more of an um, in-depth look at what the bear is doing or a relatively close encounter with these bears. So in regards to whether or not this population is recovering, uh, the government says that uh, the number of grizzly bear deaths between 2008 and 2017 have been on the rise since it was closed in uh, 2006, uh, which would imply that there's probably more bears. Uh, it would make sense on all accounts that the population would be increasing, and that's why the number of deaths is increasing. Uh, now, what kind of deaths? Well, that could be anything from uh, killed illegally, uh, people shoot grizzly bears thinking they were black bears because sometimes grizzly bears can have uh, considerably dark hair. Uh, still no excuse you should know your biology of an animal. It's part of the hunter training course here, so uh, if you're doing that, shame on you. Uh, they also have to remove problem bears, whether it's uh, in campgrounds, national parks, uh, any of those places. Uh, accidental deaths, like roadkill, uh, and then uh, human-caused deaths. Among these deaths that uh, the grizzly bears are seeing, uh, that's nine years from 2008 to 2017. Um, in that time period, 57 were killed illegally, 16 were mistaken as black bears, 28 were killed, uh, well, removed, quote-unquote, as problem bears, uh, 63 were accidental kills like roadkill, and... Uh, that put the whole total at about 163 out of the 207 that were dead, uh, or recorded as dead, were human-caused. So that's 79%. Uh, now, the ones that aren't included in there would be um, like indigenous um, harvesting, because that's still allowed in certain areas, uh, whether it's for meat or tribal ceremonies or uh, whatever else they use them for. Uh, and then the other portion would be just like grizzly bears dying in natural causes, and so on. So if you want to look at it in this uh, perspective, uh, six are being poached every year. Uh, two a year considered or confused as black bears. 28 problem bears averages out to about three a year. Uh, you got about seven a year being killed accidentally, uh, like hit by vehicles and whatnot. And so... Those are things that aren't typically going to happen if the population number is as low as they say it is. And then the other part of this too is, so you get these uh, these numbers of deaths are on the rise, and uh, to the average hunter or the average outdoorsman that's out there seeing the populations doing as well as they are, but listening to everybody else say that they're still struggling and they're still endangered or threatened or whatever words they want to use, they're still not using these numbers to... Uh, credit it towards uh, a population spike. There's thinking that these bears are staying at the same population numbers and 
just continuously dying off, which it, that's not how it works. You got to think about it. If you have 700 bears within the province, you have, I would say, at least half of those are females. So those sows are going to be having cubs probably every year. Most bears can have um, anywhere from like one to four or five cubs. I've seen as many as four. So every year that's an extra few bears. Now, I understand that some of those cubs don't survive, but it's not like all of them are dying or there's a whole concentration of that same number of newly produced cubs in the adult bear population that's dropping off to keep it level at the same number of 700. It doesn't work that way. So in 2018, they found two grizzly bears shot and left. Uh, now, they were south of a town in uh, Alberta here. Uh, that grizzly bears are being known more and more frequently to be around. Uh, and the two grizzly bears that they found were shot and left about 40 kilometers apart. And for you Americans that are listening, um, 40 kilometers is about 25 miles. So 40 kilometers, 25 miles apart is where they found these bears. And uh, they think that they were linked to the same group of guys that were hunting or the same guys shot them, whatever. Uh, which, to me, that right away sounds kind of strange. I don't know why a person would shoot a grizzly bear, uh, ditch it on the side of a road, of all places, um, take off and continue to hunt, for one, and two, see another grizzly bear, shoot that one as well, and then take off again. It, it just doesn't add up. It, to me, it sounds like two separate incidents and uh, two separate groups of people. Um, but that aside... Um, like it's it's not like a person's just going out and shooting grizzly bears just out of spite. It's a maximum of a hundred thousand dollars in fines or up to a year in prison if you do. Uh, at least in Alberta, that's the law. And uh, it just wouldn't make sense to think people are going out and doing this on a regular basis. In 2019, so a year later, and this is last year, uh, they found two bears that were killed uh, in roadkill incidents in Banff National Park. Now, I don't know about uh, how much all of you guys have spent as far as time hunting bears in general, um, but whether it's a grizzly bear or a black bear, we don't see grizzly bears a whole lot, but we do run into them. Uh, black bears, you see them all the time if you're hunting for them in the right areas. You very rarely see a black bear get hit by a car. Uh, grizzly bears are far smarter than a black bear, so I can't imagine seeing a whole lot of grizzly bears get hit by a vehicle. I know in my lifetime I have never seen it. Uh, I think I've maybe only ever seen two or three black bears that were hit by a vehicle. Um, you're going to see deer, you're going to see moose, and very occasionally elk that get hit by a car. But bears are typically smarter. They don't usually like to go across those highways. And for a grizzly bear to be hit by a vehicle and killed, that would tell me that either the population is too big in the area and there's a competition for food, and that's pushing the bear off to somewhere else, or, um, yeah, that, that's really it. The population would have to be too big in a certain area and a bear's not comfortable being there and trying to expand its territory. And that would cause it to cross a highway. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. In 2019, after these two bears were hit, uh, they, somebody wrote an article and they interviewed this wildlife researcher and the researcher could not understand the roadkill incidents. They couldn't understand why these two grizzly bears were hit by cars. It just didn't make sense to them. In the same article, 
this researcher suggested that there was only 65 bears, grizzly bears, in Banff National Park. Which, Banff National Park doesn't take up a whole lot of the province, but it does take up a pretty considerable chunk of uh, uh, the grizzly bears range in the province. And then they go on to say that there's only 691 grizzly bears in all of Alberta. This was in 2019 that this, uh, this researcher said this in this article. In 2010, they had estimated there was only 700 bears. So you're going to tell me in nine years of no hunting, less hunting pressure, less pressure on these grizzly bears in general, we've lost nine bears? It doesn't make sense. Not one bit. And I know there's going to be the people that are out there and they're going to go on about how um, we need to trust the biologist's numbers. We need to trust what the scientists are saying. If the science supports it, then there should be a hunting season. But if science says that after nine years we've lost nine bears, then something's being done wrong on their end and not on the conservation end. Because proper conservation practice uh, includes hunting. It includes taking out a few animals of the herd every year because it's healthy for that herd. And whether it's a deer, whether it's a moose, whether it's an elk, I've talked about this uh, on a previous podcast uh, with hunting and conservation, but it's important for grizzly bears to have that same amount of conservation, even if it's just a few tags. And it really just doesn't make sense that they're going to say that the population is dropping um, and there's no hunting. Uh, so if they're going to try and find something to blame it on, they should blame it on something other than hunting. Now to give you a bit of a story into uh, some of the encounters we've had with these grizzly bears in our own hunting adventures, uh, and like I said, we're not looking for them, we just stumble upon them. Uh, a few years ago, we had some friends up from uh, Arizona. Uh, there's no grizzly bears in Arizona. If there is, there's a problem there. Um, you probably have to go for a pretty long drive to find a grizzly bear if you're living down there. Now, they were up here in November, uh, middle of November. It's cold winter temperatures. Uh, it's snow on the ground, and we're hunting for deer. Now, and that's the other thing. When you're out hunting for deer, you're probably not overly concerned about running into bears, especially in the winter temperatures and winter months. Uh, now, on a side note, I have witnessed grizzly bears in the snow and the winter time, and you come across their tracks in November on a regular basis because grizzly bears do not truly hibernate. Like a black bear will go into its den, it might get up for a stretch and then roll over and go back to sleep. But a grizzly bear will get up and go for a nice long walk because they don't truly hibernate. And I know some people debate that too, but I've seen it too many times to uh, think that they do truly hibernate. So we're set up for deer and uh, we had this nice stretch of road where uh, the, the deer were consistently crossing back and forth. And we had our friends sitting on a chair on this road, on the side of the road. Uh, to try and cut them off if they came across. Uh, now, also on that specific day, uh, I was about 700 yards down the road from uh, this friend of ours and down a road to the left that was uh, went to a lease. And in the back of this lease, uh, there was a tiny little trail or cut line. It was probably just a seismic line. It was only big enough for a quad, and uh, I was just sitting down there uh, doing the same thing, trying to cut off where the deer were crossing. The day before that, or a couple days before that, we had run into uh, Fish and Wildlife. And uh, they had said that they were in the area looking for grizzly bears, and they wanted to know if we had had any encounters with grizzly bears. 
because there was some moose hunters not too far away that had shot their moose and had brought it back to camp. They had it hanging or stored in camp and went out hunting again the next day or the same day, came back in the evening, and a grizzly bear had come into their camp and claimed this moose as its own. And it was getting fairly aggressive with these hunters. So that was uh, what led to Fish and Wildlife being in the area to check it out. Uh, so we knew that there was bears out in the area. Usually that's, I don't know, we only think of it maybe being a bear or two because they say the populations are terrible. And we had never had any encounters in the previous years in that location. So we're sitting there. Uh, we're ready to sit for the entire day because uh, typically your best deer movements are early in the morning, uh, in the evening, and then during the whitetail rut, the deer move very, very well between 10 a.m. and 2 p.m. So given the amount of daylight hours we have, that pretty well encompasses the entire day. And uh, so we're sitting there. We got food in the blind. And uh, if there was a bear in the area, you'd think that you would be a, a target, right? Given off all the smells and whatnot. Like I said, we had no, no thoughts in the back of our head that we're going to run into these bears. And this friend of ours doesn't typically turn on his phone because he doesn't want roaming charges and whatnot. And we're sitting there in the blind. I'm sitting in my spot. He's in his spot. And uh, my phone buzzes. And I check it. And it's a text from him. And it said, grizzly bear, like 30 or 40 yards. I'm like, no way. And my first thought is always, well, is it a big one? Because well, everybody wants to see a big grizzly bear. Um, but <laughs> him being on a chair on the side of the road, he's pretty exposed. So this grizzly bear goes off into the bush. Because my friend hadn't seen a grizzly bear before, he wanted to go and take a look at its tracks just to kind of check them out, see how big they were. And he goes down, he's standing at where this grizzly bear crossed the road, turns around, and this grizzly bear turned and charged through the bush at his chair that he was sitting on. And he's very, very fortunate that he got up to walk this 40 yards, because otherwise he would have been in some serious danger. Uh, now, the bear also, after charging the chair, went off onto the other side of the road, started smashing trees, making a big ruckus, just like a territorial bear will, and uh, eventually uh, gave up on that and moved further down uh, away from him. So, we're texting back and forth a bit as this is going on, as often as he can get a message out, and I'm asking him, like, well, how far is this bear? Like, where is this bear going? Because I'm not very far from him as the crow flies. And... He sends me a text. He's like, oh, bear's like 300 yards. I'm like, okay, okay, well, which direction? I keep asking, which direction? Which, which side is he on you? And uh, then I get another text that says 700 yards, and so I'm starting to freak out. And because I'm sitting in this blind, and I have uh, a 257 Weatherby Magnum. Uh, it's a fantastic round for uh, deer hunting, and it probably isn't going to be a whole lot of huge stopping power on a grizzly bear. And so, finally, he sends me a text. He's like, he's coming down your road. And right away, I'm like, oh, crumbs. So I get out of my blind with my gun, leave my backpack and my food all there, and I start running up the cut line back to where I parked my truck. And just as I crown the top of this lease, I can see down the road, and here comes this grizzly bear. And he's a big bear. And... uh I'm fumbling around trying to find my keys at my truck where I had hid them. 
and uh, finally find my keys, get my truck unlocked, open the door, and I'm standing between the, the door of my truck and uh, the cab, holding onto my gun just in case this bear decides to make a, a full beeline to the truck. And you could say, well, why not just get in the truck? Well, for one, the truck wasn't pointed towards the bear, so I'm not going to sit in the truck and just, you know, wait for an hour to see if this bear disappears, but I, I figured if a bear's going to decide to come into my truck, he's not going to use the door anyway, so I'm just going to keep an eye on him. So this bear comes to the edge of the lease, he turns to his right and kind of goes down off into the, the ditch and he's got his nose up in the air and he's smelling around and he keeps walking and turns around with his nose in the air still sniffing around and walks back up a crossroad down to the left and still nose up in the air sniffing around. He's trying to find something and so he skirts around the edge of the lease, pops into the trees and I can watch him uh, through the trees as he keeps going down the direction of my blind. And uh, so I, I wait for a minute, and then I go and stand up on the edge of the lease where I can see down to where my hunting blind is. And I'm watching and watching. All of a sudden I can see this grizzly bear. He's like a mile away from me down this cut line. Like he made some pretty good time. And so I knew that I wasn't going to be in any danger because he was a long ways away. He had his mind on something else. So I went over and I checked out the tracks that he had left in the snow and uh, right next to his tracks from the night before were fresh elk tracks. So this bear was actually out hunting for an elk and uh, I had no idea that that was what was going on but obviously he was hungry and I was able to uh, avoid any sort of conflict with this grizzly bear but you got to think too, and a person will be like, well, he didn't charge you, so you shouldn't have felt like you were in danger. Well, anytime that you have a, an encounter with a bear in uh, what would be considered one of their hibernation months or very close to it, um, you should know that the bear is particularly ornery. And they're not very friendly to deal with, and they're very, very grumpy when they come across something that they don't want to be around. So I feel like that gave me the justification enough to be a little bit... Um, not panicked, but uh, alert and nervous about the situation. Uh, especially since where I was sitting was a very, very um, thin cut line. If this bear was to pop out, it was either on top of me, in front of me, through the bush on the side, or behind me, and I didn't want to take those chances. Uh, so encounters like that are uh, something that uh, leads me to think that there should be some sort of a grizzly bear season um, in that uh, in that particular instance, uh, we had seen three different grizzly bears in those two days. Uh, we saw a grizzly bear after that encounter, uh, one the day before, and uh, all within the same area. And the part that really gets to me is the fact that uh, the day prior, I had been wandering around in that bush trying to find a good spot to set up for deer. And I had no idea. I could have walked around a corner right into a grizzly bear, and that would have been a very terrible situation. And... Uh, so I, I was very, very happy that nothing happened there, but you never really know. And that's just the part of it that uh, I feel like if there was some sort of conservation, it, it would keep the bears in check in uh, the matter of uh, not too many in the same area where they're getting to the point where they're agitated and aggressive and uh, trying to fight for their survival more than they already have to. Uh, and just because I tell one story about it doesn't mean that that encompasses uh, my only encounters with grizzly bears. Like I said, we see them every year. We're not looking for them. 
Uh, I know where uh, that friend of ours shot his black bear this year. We've seen grizzly bears right there. Um, we have some other areas that we hunt regularly that we didn't really get into this year. Uh, but last year, my brother had went out with uh, our friend Spencer and uh, our cousin, and he saw more grizzly bears than he did black bears, which is a first for us. Uh, usually you go in there, you see a couple of grizzly bears within your time of being there, but it seems like the grizzly bear population is uh, skyrocketing and the black bear population is diminishing. Uh, there was actually another time too where I was out hunting for deer with a friend of mine uh, in October and it's a typical month for bears to still be up and around and moving and uh, just getting ready for hibernation and we were driving around looking for a spot for deer and we came upon this spot where there was a dead moose and it was kind of on the edge in this swamp and it was buried and being a little bit younger, I knew that grizzly bears uh, buried their kills as a, a territorial thing. And uh, I, it didn't really cross my mind at the moment. And we're looking at this moose kill, and I turn around and walk down the road just a little bit. And there's this huge pile of bear poop. And I thought to myself, oh, this is way bigger than a black bear would leave. And my friend looked at me, and I looked at him, and we both realized that it was absolutely dead silent. And that's not a very good feeling, uh, especially on the edge of a swamp where there's usually a bunch of frogs doing their thing and, and birds chirping. And the only times I've ever seen that before is when there's a bear in the area. And we just looked at each other and uh, we decided it was time to get out. And that's a, a situation where I, I think had there been a grizzly bear close by, uh, again, we're fortunate. A lot of times hunters will be wandering around the bush hunting and they'll stumble upon a kill and by the time they realize what it is, it's too late and there's a grizzly bear either on top of them or behind them or uh, just another close call or scary encounter. So, um, once again, it's it's just another, another situation where you could have been in some serious danger and we run into these type of things uh, every year and uh, more and more as the years go on. So... To me, it suggests that the populations are doing a lot better, and I think that something does need to be done about it because uh, the numbers that they're coming up with are just to please the non-hunting population and the advocates for keeping grizzly bear hunting closed. Um, a really good example of this is uh, uh, British Columbia and their grizzly bear hunting ban. So in 2017, um, grizzly bears were no longer allowed to be hunted in British Columbia uh, the reasoning uh, from the government is that it wasn't banned because of a conservation concern. It was banned because grizzly hunting is not in line with their provincial values. Which absolutely seems mind-numbing. Um, in British Columbia, a majority of the population base surrounds uh, the area of Vancouver. There's loads of cities, loads of towns, lots of suburbs, like lots of... It's just heavily populated. The people that are in that area have no reason to leave that area, and if they do, it's going to places that um, are not very out in the wild. Uh, so those are the people that are making the decisions on the hunting. Uh, I know that the indigenous population out there was also a huge advocate for canceling the hunting, and I think that was due to... Uh, the fact that they wanted to do more grizzly bear tours to show people the live bears. And uh, so they had a, a big string to pull on that one as well. Uh, 
and it seems like it's a very irresponsible thing to do in closing the grizzly bear hunting out there. Um, at the time of the ban, they had estimated that 250 grizzly bears were killed yearly by hunters. Uh, 250. So if you're comparing that to Alberta's um, so-called 700 bears, you'd be killing a third of the bears. But in British Columbia, they have estimated that there's 15,000 grizzly bears. And so to kill 250 out of 15,000, you're, you're talking about less than 2% of the bear population is being killed by hunters every year. And I know in Alberta, there's a lot of untouched area where you can't even access it by roads. And I'm sure in British Columbia, it's the same way, especially in the northern portions of the province. So a lot of these bears will probably go a long time without ever seeing a human or may never in their lifetime. Um, so to close down hunting, because it's not in line with their values, um, only 250 bears killed every year, 15,000. Like I said before, if you were to think out of the 15,000, say, I don't know, 8,000 of them are females. That's a lot of cubs every year. Your 15,000 the next year could turn into a plus another 8,000 if every sow had one cub. And a lot of times they have more than that. Even with the bears that are dropping off, um, just by natural causes or what have you. So it's just, it's going to create more and more issues and more and more encounters. And I don't know how many news articles it's going to take before they realize that this is a serious problem. Uh, and not only does it not help the conservation of the, the numbers of the grizzly bears out there, it, it's going to result in more dead black bears because the grizzly bear population will expand they're going to push into the areas where the black bears are. They're going to kill off the black bears. Uh, it's going to result in more dead moose because a full-grown grizzly bear can take down a moose and uh, sometimes with, uh, with ease. Uh, and other animals. you, you got to think they're not just taking down the huge animals. They're going to take down everything that they can. Uh, not to mention, when I was a kid, we hear rumors that out in British Columbia, every time somebody shoot a, uh, an animal ever, the gunshot was referred to as the dinner bell. And hunting in an area where when you shoot an animal, you have to be afraid of the fact that a grizzly bear could come running in to try and uh, find your animal and fight you for your animal, that's uh, not exactly a settling thought. Um, I, I've seen a lot of stories where guys will say that they've shot an animal and they've gone back to get it afterwards or they've gone back to get half of it. And uh, a grizzly bear is already on it or buried it and they got to be able to get in there and somehow still get their animal out because that's their due diligence. And these kind of encounters are going to become more and more common with, with no sort of hunting pressure on these bears. Um, and, and back to the whole uh, canceling this in British Columbia thing, um, this also hurts the outfitters big time. They estimated that um, out of these 250 bears that were killed yearly, uh, about 80 of them were uh, outfitted hunts. So those are people coming in from uh, most of the time from other countries and uh, they're coming in to do these hunts for these bears and they're paying on average, let's say uh, $25,000 for a hunt. I know some areas are more, some are probably less, but you got to think 80 people paying $25,000 a piece, that's $2 million. And a lot of times these are going to uh, small communities like this money it, it's not just going to the outfitter the outfitter is spending this back into the um, into the, the local gas stations the local grocery stores 
Uh, they're using some of this money while they're out hunting with their clients. And people aren't hunting these animals out of a big city. They're hunting them out of all the small uh, communities, the small towns. And so this money is really helping rejuvenate some of these smaller towns. And a lot of these towns, man, $2 million can go a long ways. And even if you're dividing that up, $25,000 can go a long ways for a lot of people. And especially small businesses that are now going to be hurting because um, this income is no longer accessible. Because the government said this is no longer in line with our values as a province or as a state, if that's how uh, the American people would like to say it. Uh, so it's just, it absolutely confuses um, not just myself, but a lot of people. And it frustrates a lot of the hunting community knowing that there's such a healthy population. And in return, these grizzly bears being in a higher population are going to be driving down the numbers of all the other animals. And making it so that there's more and more, um, well, maybe even if you want to call it self-defense encounters. And another part with that too is uh, that in Canada here, there's, for majority of it, I'm going to say 99% of the people, uh, you're not allowed to carry a handgun. So you don't have a sidearm as backup. Uh, you're not going to carry uh, a scoped rifle and an open sights rifle because that's probably too heavy for some of the areas you're in. I mean, maybe if you're with another person, they could carry one and you carry the other. But it's just not a realistic thing, and you're not allowed to carry all these like sawed-off style weapons because they fall underneath the gun band too with uh, being too short. And so you got to be really good with a rifle in, in close range, which is uh, another problem that gets into a whole bunch more issues. Uh, now I mentioned that there's more and more attacks every year and uh, I'm still wondering at what point do they realize that something needs to be done. Um, now I spent about an hour doing Google searches on uh, bear attacks and in an hour I came up with a few uh, and it was, it was more than I even thought that I'd find to be honest. Uh, so I'm going to run through a few of these. In 2009, there was a, a guy looking for shed antlers in Alberta, and he was attacked by a grizzly bear. Uh, 2014, there was four attacks that I found. Uh, three of them were hunters, uh, two in British Columbia, one in the Northwest Territories, and one was in Alberta on uh, a guy that was uh, out riding his bike. In 2015, another four bear attacks. Uh, just general recreation land use, uh, two in BC, two in Alberta. Um, and now a few of these in Alberta are actually within the parks. So that tells you that the, the bear numbers in the parks are doing very, very well. Uh, 2018, so two years ago, there was two that I found. One was a park ranger in British Columbia. Uh, they were attacked by a sow that had cubs. Uh, it was later determined that the bear was just doing its motherly instinct type thing. And so they left her alone with her cubs. Uh, and then another one that made some pretty serious news was um, a 37-year-old mother and her 10-month-old daughter in the Yukon. And uh, the father of the daughter and the, the husband to the wife killed this bear after the bear attacked him. And he didn't even realize until he had killed this bear and went further down the trail that there was his... Uh, his family was no longer with him because the bear had got, gotten to them first. And it just it seems like it's a situation that's so un, so avoidable. 
and it's just so unfortunate that something like that has to happen and if they would make it so that the grizzly bear hunting was a little bit more regular especially in areas like the Yukon uh, you wouldn't have an issue like that and I know Jim Shockey went and put on a big long post about this because uh, I believe he said uh, now don't quote me on this but that he was going to shoot this bear but because he had shot a bear uh, in recent years uh, he wasn't able to get a tag to shoot another grizzly bear so he had to let this one walk and he said that it was within the same area that he was and he felt like he was at some length personally responsible for this attack because he wasn't able to take this bear down. And I know there's a lot of different things in life where people say that uh, they blame themselves for certain situations, but I don't think that, um, like even with what Jim had said, there, there's no reason that he should feel personally responsible for uh, something in a, a hunting situation, especially like that. And I don't think that that's something that anybody else should be in that position of. Uh, I think that that's something that can be avoided. Uh, now, in 2019, last year, I found six attacks. Um, a cyclist and a fisherman in British Columbia, uh, a teen in Montana, uh, and three hunter attacks within two weeks in Montana. And now, I don't know if all those hunters are in the same area, but three attacks in two weeks is a, a pretty good spike. And so that's just six last year. and The numbers just seem to be increasing every year. And here we are now in 2020. We're in June, so only halfway through the year. And there's already been two notable attacks. Uh, one was on somebody that was camping in Montana. And the other one was uh, a guy that was shed hunting in Wyoming. And uh, that fellow was very, very lucky. He, uh, after being attacked by this grizzly bear, he was stumbling, trying to go back to his quad, and a, a game warden had found this fellow's quad and was walking down the trail that he thought this, this man had gone down and managed to stumble upon him as he was trying to get back to his quad and got him out to help. And so these encounters are becoming more and more frequently. Um, and going through my list of what I found, there wasn't a whole lot of attacks in Montana, and then all of a sudden in the last two years, there's... Uh, the three hunters in two weeks, the fella camping, and uh, another teen that was out in Montana that was attacked. So th that tells me that the populations are getting much, much better. Uh, the other part, too, with the populations increasing and expanding, and it might not just be like within the province, but in British Columbia, because BC and Alberta border each other, if the population gets to the point where it's too big along the mountains, it's going to push those bears over the mountains and into Alberta where there's more and more territory because there's a less, um, less numbers of bears. And so that'll mean that the population in Alberta is going to increase and it'll push these bears into different areas where um, they aren't normally found. You're seeing that more and more nowadays because... Uh, in Alberta, you're not allowed to bait black bears in areas that uh, grizzly bears are known to be. And yet every year, um, black bear hunters are finding grizzly bears on their baits. And you're not allowed to shoot them. And these hunters aren't saying anything because they don't want fish and wildlife to come in and close down their bear baiting season uh, because of a couple grizzly bears that were spotted. And these grizzly bears can have a wide range. So they might come through there, just stop for a day, and then move on. Like, that's typically what's going to happen. They're not going to be there on a regular basis, and if they are, well then it's gotten to the point where they're just living within that area. Uh, I know a few years ago they had uh, collared a bear, I think it was down by uh, Banff, and then 
the bear went all the way up to a little town called Hinton and that's a few hours to drive by car uh, so that goes to tell you that there's a pretty big uh, range of area and territory that these bears can travel and so you're seeing more and more of these encounters more and more instances where farmers are losing livestock to these bears because uh, they're coming in and killing them and those are just things that like every year it just seems to be increasing and nothing's being done about it and something needs to be done about it now you've heard me talk about for the entire podcast on how i think there needs to be a grizzly bear uh, season uh, now in my opinion i think that they need to implement some sort of a draw system even if it's just a lottery um, I mentioned earlier that in uh, between 2008 and 2017, they killed 28 problem bears. That's three every year. Now, in Alberta, we have a system for mountain goats where it's a lottery draw, and you have basically like a 0.01% chance of getting drawn for these animals. But if you were to do that with grizzly bears and, say, split it up into three different regions in the province and your tag encompassed that entire region, uh, you could do the same thing where you just have a lottery draw person can go out shoot one of these bears there's a high chance that they're going to run into one of these quote-unquote problem bears because those are the ones that are hanging out in the open or exposing themselves and so you can remove that and not have to have uh, law enforcement or fish and wildlife go in and do it um, a hunter is going to be super satisfied because he got a grizzly bear it's proper conservation and they would make some sort of money off of it, whether it's from the draw application, the tag purchase price. Um, you're going to have a taxidermist that's going to be making money afterwards. Like, it would make sense to have some sort of a season, even if it's just for a few bears every year. And if you wanted to keep it so that it's just a once-in-a-lifetime type draw, that's great too. Um, or just let people keep putting into the random lottery draw, because I know there would be a, a huge number of applicants and that would in turn make it a very very difficult draw to pull uh, and then you also have that chance where they're maybe never going to see a bear while they're hunting for him because that's how some of the draws go uh, now uh, you guys so i went on to a hunting page on facebook uh, there's about two thousand members in the group i just put the question on there i said uh, so you hunters and outdoorsmen uh, the ones that are out there all the time, I just want to know from your guys' opinion, to any extent, whether it's by draw or by lottery or open tag, like, do you think that there should be grizzly bear hunting in Alberta? And I got over a thousand votes on this poll question. Out of the over a thousand votes, there's about a thousand yeses and 30 noes, which tells me that out of the people who are hunting in Alberta, they think that there should be a grizzly bear season. And it's not just because they want to go out and shoot a grizzly bear. In the comments, there's people going on about how there's way too many bears and there's too many encounters, too many farmers having their livestock killed. There's too many... Um, there's just... Something needs to be done about them. People would say, well, something needs to be done to put the fear of man back into these bears. Or just the pressure needs to be increased because there's they're running into them more and more and it's killing their black bear population. And... Some of the suggestions that were made was, uh, like I had said, the lottery draw. Uh, people are saying that Fish and Wildlife should sell management tags for identified problem bears. Um, some guys are saying they should sell these tags at a huge dollar value. 
and then some people were saying that uh, it should just be a, a larger draw application fee, a higher tag price, uh, make it a once in a lifetime draw. Um, and these are coming from from hunters, right? People that want to go out and hunt these animals, like they're the ones suggesting that we do this and that we charge more. And the non-hunting population and the anti-hunters, they're the ones that are thinking that we're just just selfish and going out and just slaughtering things because we're trying to have fun with it. It doesn't really mean that we're actually going out and trying to conserve the species so that it's not out of control and it's not um, too low because that's what a proper conservationist does. Um, and the other part too that people had suggested is that if you put a very high tag fee, it could deter... Um, these non-hunting or anti-hunting groups from trying to get in on these draws because in Alberta every year and I'm sure it's the same everywhere um, you get these non-hunters and the anti-hunting groups and they go and they apply for our draws just so that we can't have them and uh, it's very selfish but that's just the way that they want to do it it's uh, for a lot of guys that would be waiting a lot of years to get drawn it could be a, a it's really just a, a hit below the belt and especially since uh, it's becoming harder and harder to get drawn and it's taking longer. And uh, just a whole lot of feedback in general about people saying uh, that it would be good to implement some sort of hunting pressure to just keep these bears away from people because, like I mentioned, the attacks are more and more every year and uh, something needs to be done. Um, and even if it's uh, just open to residents, like, don't open it to guides. Don't open it for people to come up here and 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 hunt on a, a guided hunt just leave it for residents because that's how a lot of the other provinces do it in Alberta uh, where it's only open to residents to go hunt certain animals and I think that's fair or even just have it kind of like uh, the mountain lion hunting season in Alberta where it's a daily quota system so a certain area will have a quota for X amount of animals uh, if a female is shot then that counts as two animals and uh, then for the next year that would reduce one animal for that quota if it was uh, on the over and uh, then they could move on to the next area to hunt and it, that would be a healthy way of doing it too and as it is with mountain lions I'm, and sheep I'm sure if you were to shoot a grizzly bear you'd have to go and get it registered and it would just be a very good way of keeping tabs on uh, the population and uh, conserving it in a, a proper manner where it's not uh, fish and wildlife having to remove problem bears when uh, it could really just be uh, hunters practicing proper conservation and keeping these bears in check. And another thing too to add is the fact that if a person's getting drawn and it's a once in a lifetime draw, you're going to be going out and you're going to spend a lot of time to try and find a mature animal and you're not going to just go waste your tag on something that's immature. And that's also a very, very good conservation uh, practice to take mature animals out of your herd. And I think that would also uh, really help with the situation. That said, I'm going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, any feedback you have is greatly appreciated. And uh, if you haven't already, you can go ahead and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at On The Blood Trail, or go check out our YouTube channel. I got uh, a hunt on there. Like I said before, I'm going to go upload a couple more hunts on there here soon. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoy those as well. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode.